0: and gentlemen and welcome to the rock and roll podcast check out this record my name is frank and with me is my good buddy mark hey uh that's my name that is <laughs> your name we're syndicated via redline radio llc so you could find us on uh also you can find us on spotify and apple Podcasts. Uh, every friday of course on redline radio we're on from 11 to 12.
1: yeah and of course uh, you can see our ruggedly Handsome Faces on the YouTube of
0: YouTube <laughs> So again, uh, welcome. This is a podcast where Mark and I recommend albums to each other and review. Plus, we have a wide variety of uh, musical discussions, our spotlight series where we dig into a band or a subgenre and we see what comes out on the other side.
1: Yeah, and in our verse series, we'll pit two bands or albums or whatever it is we feel like pitting against each other. And Frank and I will duke it out over which one's better. Plus our 100% top 10 lists, which uh, will have you yelling at your phone about how we forgot your favorite band. But you know what? It's our podcast and we're going to do what we
0: want. (laughs) (laughs) You got that right. Be sure to check us out on Instagram. And we actually, Mark, we have a new Facebook group. Heyo, Facebook. Hey. That's, that's right. We like to drop additional content there that will hopefully leave you wanting more of our musical goodness and random nonsense. Uh, if you've got a record and you want us to check it out, just drop us a comment wherever you find us. While you're at it, subscribe, give us a review, and let us know what you think of everything. So I say this, Mark, how are you, my man? Frankie, there is a
1: hot, stanky air about, and we're going to need to clear that air. <laughs> but uh, first... And we'll keep this short. Uh, with this being the long-awaited Dylan album, let's talk about songwriters real quick yeah and see if we can build uh, a Mount Rushmore of songwriters. I'm sure we'll piss off all kinds of folks, but I'll start um, and I'll say Bob Dylan's the first head on the Mount Rushmore songwriters. What said you? <laughs>
0: Well, I I think for those who have listened and Mark, you know me for, for a long time, you know, I'm going to go Tom Waits, number two there.
1: Ooh, excellent choice. Excellent choice. Uh, You know, I think for me and maybe the curveball of this group is going to be uh,
0: Elvis Costello. Oh, I mean, he's a mutual mutual favorite of ours.
1: Mutual favorite, but uh, you know, the, the diversity in the songwriting, the complexity, the longevity. I mean, just absolutely famous. So Frank that leaves the fourth and uh, I don't want to say least important, but, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but the fourth head on our Mount Rushmore, Uh, who who are you putting up there for songwriters?
0: Well, I'm going to say Leonard Cohen uh, being, Ah. being, being number four. Uh, I think all of those that we just mentioned, uh, and, and we could be wrong, but this, hey, this is our opinion, uh, that they have a similar mindset when it, when it comes to songwriting. And you're not going to get many people like that. And the more you dig into their catalogs, the more you find these hidden gems. And I'm comfortable with putting them up there for a Mount Rushmore of songwriters. What about you?
1: Yeah, I'm comfortable with that. I think, um, you know, someone's bound to bitch that we didn't say Woody Guthrie. Um, True.
0: Could be, you know, Absolutely. but at the
1: same time, didn't he steal a bunch of songs from the Carter family? <laughs> so, you know, I mean, hey, look, it's the nature of the beat. Woody was awesome. Um, that machine does, in fact, kill fascists, and it's a beautiful thing.
0: So, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm comfortable with those four, though. Yeah. So there is a matter we need to talk about, Mark, and that is... Gray sports. Um, I don't know that wrong script. I'm sorry, man. I meant oh. to say <laughs> one Robert Allen Zimmerman. That's right, folks. The Nobel Peace Prize winning Bob Dylan. And I know this was an intimidating task, right? And I and I think you were with me on that, right, Mark?
1: Yeah, this was a bigger task than than really I expected. And, and to be honest, you, I don't know what I was getting myself into. I I thought it would just be like, look, I'm going to make a bunch of fun of Bob Dylan uh because fuck him he takes himself too seriously but you know the fact of the matter is is the legend of the man is almost bigger than the man himself so it's just really daunting um insane task you know i think last week i described him as as looming over rock and roll as this figurehead um you know it's interesting this album really took me by surprise and i just think it's a shame he doesn't go by roberto (laughs)
0: It's a shame, actually. (laughs) Where do you even begin with Dylan, right? That's the question. I mean, his whole career in life, it would take us 20 plus episodes, and and each album needs its own episode, really. At 79, this is his 39th studio album. My God. I know. Absolutely insane. What I love about him is that he just keeps going. He doesn't care about anything other than just being a consistent creator of music. With each album comes really an unraveling of his signature lyrics that could take months to figure out. And yeah. he goes into terrain that's always uncharted. And I personally admire that, my man.
1: Frank, did you know mm-hmm. that conspiracy theorists believe Roberto Dylan? Sold his soul to the devil. Wow. So in an interview, Mm -hmm. he was asked uh, why he was still touring and playing so many shows despite his massive fortune and fame, right? And Roberto just looks at him and he goes, it all goes back to the Destiny thing. I made a bargain. Uh, excuse me. I, I'm trying to do Roberto in my head and I'm like, I don't even know what Bob Dylan Roberto sounds like. Yeah, um,
0: that's awesome I made a bar-
1: so I'm, I'm quoting him here. Uh, yeah. I made a bargain with it a long time ago and I'm holding up my end uh, end quote. So the interviewer asked him who he made this bargain with. And he said, quote, with the chief commander of the earth and the one we can't see end quote. So, for those religious folks who believe in, you know, the God and the Devil, uh, felt that because of the quote, made a deal. He's referring uh, to getting his talents from the Devil and not the Father of the Son and the Holy Ghost.
0: Wow, and interesting too, because there's there's the whole legend of Robert Johnson too, right? Who who the same the same scenario occurred down uh, at the crossroads. Down at the crossroads, right? Very very interesting, and you know. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? What can I say, right? Uh, as far as something like that goes. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me, though. <laughs> it's so
1: mysterious, though. Like, it's... What a Dylan thing to say. Like, yeah, I'm keeping up my end of the bargain. Yeah. The look bargain. Uh, you know, the bargain I made with the kids. Like, what crazy... Sh- like, I would love to know how much cocaine happened before <laughs> that interview.
0: I wonder if that is that... Be- Do you know the date of that? that? Is that before he went electric? <laughs> No, that was definitely after he went. Okay. All right, all right. Cause I was like, maybe <laughs> it's just, yeah. just so funny. So it's like, you know, before you get into a new album like this too, uh, I was thinking, how can we incorporate top? our top lists into this episode. And right. you know, I, I think if you pick just the top 10 Dylan songs or top 10 Dylan albums, it doesn't represent uh, us just because there's too many, I think songs, albums, there's bootlegs out there. And I'm sure many deep tracks that if me and you were to dig into them, we would, we would probably like them. And right. even though I probably listen to more Dylan than you, I don't even feel like I've, Scratch the surface a lot of times so let's cast a wider net and let's do a top 10 list of all things dylan now this could be songs song titles a lyric an overall album a moment anything mark i'm down with that if you want to alternate let's do it as well and and you could start
1: yeah absolutely so um this was kind of crazy just to think of like to try to get my head around and i Frank's right. I do not know uh, Dylan's catalog as as well as, honestly, as I should, or as well as Frank does. Uh, But for me, number 10 is an album called Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. It's it's actually a soundtrack and his 12th studio album, uh, and it features a really cool, it's it's actually kind of short, especially for Dylan, uh, knocking on heaven's door. Plus, he's he's got a cameo in the movie as a character named Alias.
0: So that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. And that was a great, great album too, but <laughs> by the yeah. way, so
1: it, it's a really cool. And it's interesting to see him take on a soundtrack and really, and it's beautiful because you get to see all you get to see, you get to hear all of the scores that were in the movie played out through the soundtrack soundtrack it's
0: really cool yeah no no doubt about it that, that's pretty that's pretty awesome uh my first in, in the top 10 things uh, all things done, no particular order of course is the song from uh, the blonde on blonde album most likely you go your way and i'll go mine but it's the before the flood version that this was the live mm. version recorded with the band in 1974 just what i love about this particular track is that he's like so angry and he's singing it so you could just tell there's bitterness in there and he's basically yelling it the whole entire time uh it's such it's such a cool track the album track is great but this one's awesome just because he's like yelling it the whole time so that to me is a is a really cool dylan moment in my top 10
1: yeah i'm gonna need to check that performance out Uh, yeah it's
0: awesome it's awesome
1: so for me number nine i got highway 61 revisited Oh, just as i was looking at things and ranking things so the good. album is so classic. It's got so many accomplishments. It's just a classic, and, and it lands here on the list for me because it's such a strong record.
0: It is. It is. I mean, it, it marks really that second – I mean, he's had many phases, right? But it marks that that second phase where he just goes into such amazing, amazing tunes. I, I love it. I agree with you. Um, my next one is that second Scorsese doc on him the rolling thunder review i just love the ridiculousness of it and i love how dylan admitted that it was that ridiculous and he had no idea and they had no idea what they were doing the whole time it's like they just put this together and just threw it on the wall to see if it stuck and just that whole ridiculous nature of it i i love it so that's that's mine the rolling thunder review (laughs)
1: i'm convinced all that white makeup just came from him smearing cocaine on his face. And they were like, you look like a clown. And he was like, Oh, you think I look like a clown now? And he just did his whole face like that. If you haven't seen that, just watch it for him wearing that makeup. It's fucking crazy. Yeah.
0: I think he's um, playing them the whole time. That's my,
1: Oh, I, I, I agree too. Cause he is all about character. Yeah. Um, I will say, I'm going to make a lot of fun of him for doing cocaine and drugs. He has been sober since 1994. Uh, and he should be applauded for that. Anyways, <laughs> Number eight uh, for me. uh, Frank's gonna know exactly where I'm coming from. This blonde on blonde,
0: Um, you know, which I I I have have, right here, by the way. Look at that! Look at that on the
1: compact disc.
0: On the compact disc. On the
1: compact disc. Great album. Great um, album. Yeah, I'm not gonna do it justice, but it's it's just such a great record. Um, It's it, it it just pulls you in, you know. Especially we started with this record. I went back and you know that's why we had to postpone last week i was so busy going wait a minute i need to go back and listen to other albums i need to go back and do this yeah and blonde on blonde just kept sticking to me it's It's so good it's a
0: great record what do you got so good. So good. Um, my next is an album, too. It's National Skyline. Um, just because he, not only did you have uh, the song with Johnny Cash Girl from the, the North Country, which he recorded uh, albums before, but this one had cash on it, too. Uh, but he quit smoking and then, sat, like, just his voice changed. Like, to me, I, I, I just laugh at that. You hear Lay Lady yeah. Lay, and you're like, what? you're like this Dylan he quit smoking and and his voice changed so um every time you know songs from that album come on I just associate it with him quitting smoking but it's a fine album too so so that's my next one
1: (laughs) yeah so for me I my next one number six I I really wanted to just do tangled up in blue I absolutely love that song but then I remembered you know blood on the tracks also has uh shelter from the storm on it yeah and it's you know, they kinda bookend that album and it's such a beautiful record. And those two songs in particular are phenomenal, but the whole record is just gorgeous. So I'm I'm gonna go with the album up for that. Uh Blood on the Tracks, Tangled Up in Blue, uh Shelter from the Storm. It's just a classic. It's just so it's good. such a beautiful record.
0: Yeah. That's my wife's favorite Dylan song too, is Tangled Up in Blue. So it's 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 fantastic. And um And has got pretty good taste. She does. Thank you, my man. She thank you. And uh, on the Cassell record, King of America, uh, the first song, Brilliant Mistake, uh, he had the inspiration for that from listening to Tangled Up in Blue. So it kind of, it works. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next is just an overall thing of getting in touch with Dylan and and the stuff that went down for, for the Nobel Prize. Um, okay. George, ha- George Harrison uh, was in the Traveling Woolberries with him and stated in an interview, you can call Dylan for years and you can never get in touch with him. I just think that's just so funny it's like they have yeah. just a hard time getting in touch with him and in correlation to that like the Nobel Peace Prize it took him two weeks to acknowledge that he won it <laughs> it's, it's just the little shenanigans that that make that make it funny to me so that's and this whole,
1: is him sober
0: this is him sober yeah this is him sober <laughs> completely sober so if you ever need to get in touch with Bob Dylan you might be waiting a while so yeah
1: so uh number five for me yeah uh halfway through here Uh, 1975's album, The Basement Tapes. Oh, uh, yeah. With the band as the backing band, um, recorded in the basement of the band uh, that they were sharing in Woodstock, New York. Uh, Robbie Robertson said uh, he remembers Bob Dylan's face lighting up when he realized they had a small recording studio in the basement, and he ran home to grab his typewriter so he could work on lyrics as the band recorded. Nice. Uh, You really feel that energy in this record. You get that... um, that youthful energy out of dylan in this um you know and it's really quite amazing he was so inspired the band uh you know before they were even the band it's just such a talented group of musicians that his you could tell his his want to grow and to to develop himself is is so clear and so beautiful on this record
0: yeah that's a good one and it made me think of too. uh Mentioned Costello again twice now, but now it's going to be a third time because there's actually a super group called the New Basement Tapes uh, with Costello, with Marcus Mumford, uh, Rhiannon Gibbons from the Carolina Chocolate Drops, the guy from My Morning Jacket, and and obviously everything is related around the new base, the the basement tapes name. And it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I agree with you. That one's pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, My next one is I spoke of the traveling Wilburys. I'm mentioning a song now it's tweeter, the monkey man from that album. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he penned this awesome tune and what I love about it, not only the song overall, but the fact is little with Springsteen references from I mean from the beginning to the end. He took all of these spring songs and references. It's set in Jersey, the whole story, and he he piled them all into that. And that that that's pretty cool. So that's his little tip of the cap to to the boss there. So uh Tweeter the Monkey Man, that's mine.
1: Yeah, that's very cool, man. So number four for me is it's probably one of my earliest memories of Dylan. It's uh it's his unplugged set. Oh yeah. Um I just love how how kind of raucous the the album feels you really feel like he was there to put on a show and to get people just riled up and and singing and expressing themselves um i don't know that i'll probably ever have the pleasure of seeing him live you know just realistically Um, and i feel like this of the recorded live performances it's so consistent so well done um, and the nice thing is that it's all one session and it, or yeah. it's all one you know recording session as opposed to, you know, a couple of songs from Wembley and a couple of songs from the L.A. Sportatorium and a couple of songs. <laughs> you know, you really get what that show felt like. So I, I just really love that Unplugged record. It was it was one that kind of blew me away. One of my first memories of Dylan, really.
0: Yeah, what's what's cool about that, too, as is much of uh, Dylan's live performances is the song he plays on there. He just never plays the same like version of it twice like he yeah. just it's just hey this is how it's gonna roll tonight and it's gonna probably end up being different each time and hey that's okay and case in point in the uh in the unplugged record so that's a good one um yeah. my next one i'm stealing it from you because you mentioned blow on tracks blowing on tracks is one of my favorite records uh yeah. it's, it's classic just so many beautifully written songs uh i don't need to say anything more than what mark or a said about it but such a fantastic record from 1975 so blow it on the tracks for me
1: very nice very nice so uh, we're at number two on my counting. Uh, mine's going to be free of what? Free wheeling.
0: Free wheeling, Bob Dylan. Free wheeling.
1: Uh, you know, this is—it's just such a classic Dylan album. Yeah. You get, uh, Great you know, cover. Bl- blown in the wind. You get Girl from the <sighs> North Country. A hard rain's going to fall. Don't think twice. It's all right. It's—it's it's just a classic from top to bottom. It's so it. It it just makes you like it. It makes you want to start a band. It makes you want to get into playing music and and being. But at the same time, it's fucking brilliant. You'll never write any of thing as good as any of these songs. <laughs> but it makes you feel like you can, and it's so inspiring. It's it's just such a great record.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Oh
1: wait, My, we were on three, weren't we? Uh,
0: yeah. I actually I have four left. All right. <laughs> but I, so I think, I think you got a bonus. <laughs> Go ahead, there. My next one is this, and there's some controversy, This, but it's, it's got to serve someone, which is the, and I say that because that's the song from the mm. first record of the born again, Dylan phrase. Uh, it's just controversial. That's really what it is. And it, it, it encompasses him. It could have been, it could have been any faith, ain't following a doctrine. It's just fascinating because it's him. And that's yeah. all it is. And it's these left turns that he likes to take. Now, that, that album, The Slow Train Coming, is actually a, a very good album. The other two Born Again ones are, you know, hit or miss. Now, I personally have to go back and listen to those. But again, it's the, just the sudden left turn he decides to take, it, okay. and he does it quietly, and he's just like, "Oh well." So it, it's that whole that whole beat that whole bit. So that that's mine.
1: Yeah, he's got a great way of turning into something really hard, but leaving the listener completely unaware until they hit the wall. As they're going through the turn.
0: That's it's the best really, way to do it.
1: I, I mean, it, it's so subtle and so smooth that, like, he's just brilliant. Yeah. I mean, it's like Bob Dylan. Like,
0: <laughs> I'm going to say something new about
1: goddamn Bob Dylan.
0: I know. I know. What's yours? I think you have one that you also well, got. So,
1: yeah, so uh, my number three pick, which I, uh, I skipped, is actually, spoiler alert, it's this record that we're doing tonight. <laughs> it's Rough and Rowdy Ways. Uh, this thing took me so off guard.
0: It really it did, really I know.
1: Really reignited my love for Bob Dylan and his work. I just um, and and it touched me. Like we'll get into it. right? That's the whole point of the show. That's what you're listening for. Um, we're gonna get into it because it's this record's fucking crazy. I love yeah. it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about the tracks. Uh, my my next is just a bootleg series overall. I mean, he's got 15 of them. I have another little thing here. This is number eight, uh, back in the old Compact Disc days. Uh, listen, it's just all filled with uh, unreleased tracks, different versions of songs uh, that that he even uh, does them differently live. It's just incredible, the output and, and the uh, prolific nature of these things. I mean, there's so many, 15 of these. There'll probably be more. The bootleg series, pretty cool. So.
1: Yeah. All right. So my last one is a, is a little known fact about uh, Roberto, which is that he actually snubbed the Ed Sullivan show when they asked him not to sing John Birch paranoid blues uh, in lieu of something more friendly. Um, (laughs) Look, they had agreed on it. And then the day of the, the shoot, they told him to change it and he walked Um, You know, this caused a huge frenzy at CBS, but added to his legacy, added to his moral standing and just made it so that the American people knew Bob Dylan does what Bob Dylan says he's going to do. And it's just such a cool thing. Like, you know what, dude? Ed Sullivan made people and Bob Dylan gave Ed ed sullivan the finger that's fucking
0: awesome (laughs) i mean again that those those kind of left turns he takes and and it's just like sorry man Uh, it's just the way it is that that's what that's what he's all about and that's what i love uh i i must have miscounted because i actually have two more in here but get it that's all
1: right i got excited
0: man i had a good time (laughs) all right so so here we go i'll just give two more real quick um He came out with a Christmas album a few years ago, and he does this uh, cover of "Must Be Santa." You know, it's a big German-style drinking song. It's it's hilarious. The girls love it when I play it during Christmas time. Uh, no. Here, thinking of Dylan just singing that is, is is pretty badass. And number one, you're talking about you know all these things where he's like, "I'm going to do what I want to." Well, going electric. That's it. Against the grain. Why not? Forget these folk purists. He wanted to get away from the uh, political folk stuff and really found his groove with this uh, American blues rock sound. And I. I actually, you know, we put a, something up here on on Facebook today, and I, and I knew what the answer was going to primarily be, but I like later Dylan more than, than early Dylan. And, and, Mark, you know I'm a huge, huge fan of folk music. But, yeah. uh, man, I don't know. That that later that later kind of bluesy, gritty style Dylan really hits me. And, uh, you know, he and, and on a side note too, he left that guitar behind the legendary Strat that made him go electric. Uh, he left it behind, and they couldn't even deliver it back to them and he didn't even care. So there you go. (laughs) Oh man. So I I don't know. I'm ready for this album, Mark. I know you are, right? Yeah. I mean,
1: it was, it was a lot building up. You know, he gave an interview Yeah. uh, before this, but like folks listening at home or wherever you are on the train, on a bus in your backyard, in the pool, in the tub, some candles. Oh, right. Um, Hey, Hey now. What, what I mean when I say he gave an interview before this album, I mean one. There was <laughs> one interview for this record. He talked about it one time. Um, and that's and, last
0: you'll hear from him. There
1: you go. And, that's, and that's all we're going to get out of him. And, and like, there's something cool about the mysteriousness of it, right? That he's not just like, let me let me fucking lay it out for you. He's leaving so much of this up to you and me to tell people what it's like. So if you don't agree with what Frank or I say about this, Bob Dylan has, I was just going to call him Bob Dole. Uh, (laughs) Bob Dylan has said, I'm not saying anything else. So
0: Mark and Frank are right. So there you go. That's right. And and there is an interview Mark was referring to. Uh, this was uh, by the New York Times right before the release of this album. Um, and as always, it's alluring and captivating. And with the recent deaths, uh, one little excerpt I'll read before we get into the album here, with the recent deaths of Little Richard and John Prine, it, it gave me a much deeper appreciation for Dylan. And speaking of Low Richard, uh, when asked why didn't people pay attention to Low Richard's gossip work, uh, this is just how Dylan is and his typical wit. And his comment was probably because gospel music is the good news. And in these days, there just isn't any good news. (laughs) And today's world is like a fugitive treated like a hoodlum and put on the run cascaded. All we see is good for nothing news. And we have to thank the media industry for that. It stirs up people, gossip and dirty laundry. On the other hand, gospel music uh, or gospel news is exemplary. It can give you courage. You can pace your life accordingly or try to anyway, and you can do it with honor and principle there are theories and truth in gospel but to most people it's unimportant their lives are lived out too fast too many bad influences sex politics and murder is the way to go if you want to get people's attention it excites us that's our problem and that's a segue i i think into this album and i say that just because it's typical dylan it's typical dylan he's going to say what he wants to say it's this intellectual stream of consciousness and i think that's what his his record and this one in particular is all about right man
1: yeah, you know, uh, that last uh, Sex and Politics and Murder is the way to go if you want to get people's attention. This album has my full attention.
0: <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to talk about it. You, re- you ready to do it, my man?
1: I, I am very ready to do this. I think I'm kicking it off, right? with You are, uh, man. Kick it off. I contain multitudes. Yeah. You know, what an amazing way to open a record. The track feels like a smoke screen poured out in front of a stage, hiding the album uh, behind it. Um, and what this album has in store, well, while drawing the listener in, every lyric so well chosen, every note, every chord just swirling behind him. Just uh, um, As that kind of smoke fades, you get these beautiful lyrics. Uh, I'm a man of contradiction. I'm a man of many moods. I contain... Multitudes. I mean, just like, how fucking cool are you with these lyrics right now? The album uh, is really beautifully previewed in this track. He lays a lot of foundation of what's going on here. Like we just said, life, death, love, hate, violence. Uh, Just an absolute stunning opening. Um, I did love this line, too. uh, And I'll I'll throw it over to you, Frank. What can I tell you? I sleep with life and death in the same bed. Uh, 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 I, i'd give my left nut to write
0: something like that <laughs> i know that's what this album leaves you feeling you're like man if i could even put like a line of this together I, i'd be in good shape yeah uh, i mean what, what a great opening track right the song is taken from walt whitman poem song uh for myself it's a prime example of of the poetry here right yeah yeah there's music but this is a work of superior lyrical writing ability. He mentions Edgar Allan Poe, and Frank, Indiana Jones, and the Rolling Stones. They're all mentioned in this one track. Uh, the music's like an old jazzy kind of ragtime guitar number chords in the back, uh, especially um, in, in the bridge, which which is interesting because most Dylan songs don't have this. As they're, tip- they're typically just heavy lyrical verses, and there's many of them after that. Uh, I really like at the end when you get this buildup and he ends it on the title of the song. I contain multitudes song ends. I mean, what what can I say? Beautiful song, Mark, um, false prophet. I thought this sounded familiar and that's because the music is based on Billy kid Emerson's. If loving is believing and uh, Dylan takes something classic bluesy and and awesome and he adds his little touch to it i mean i love the bluesy and slightly distorted guitars it goes for six minutes here which is like a typical dylan song Uh, i love the lyrics well i'm the enemy of treason and enemy of strife i'm the enemy of this unlived meaningless life i ain't no false prophet i just know what i know i go where only the lonely can go i really dig this too mark
1: yeah you know the smoke has settled off to the side of the stage, right? The curtain comes back and this, this really soft and delicate blues number just struts uh, right out to you. So good. Uh, it has this, you know, just gorgeous, familiar blues structure. Uh, and for me, it was hard to put my finger on it. I'm really happy you were able to, to pin it down. And then Dylan just sucks you in lyrically. You know, Frank yep. pointed out some of my favorite lines. I just, uh, I love how he's able to take a shot at himself and tell people uh, I'm not a false prophet, all while not saying that he is a prophet. Right. Like, I really, I really like that he didn't. He didn't go and say, "Well, fuck you, I am." Like he just said, "Like I'm not what they're telling you." Um, you know, how very Dylan, right? Oh, um, love it. I also love this line. Like this whole review is going to be like, "Dude, listen to this fucking lyric." <laughs> all right. Um, you don't know me, darling. You would guess I'm nothing like my ghostly appearance
0: would suggest. Again. Again. And this is just one of many examples, you know? (laughs) Yep. So good. Well, track three, we get mine, my own version of you. We get um, on the guitar, we get the capo on the second fret and starting with one of my favorite chords, the B minor. And you already have me hooked a lot of times if you're doing that. Uh, so many great impactful lyrics here. Where I mean, where to begin? Um, all through the summers into January, I've been visiting morgues and monasteries, looking for the necessary body parts, limbs and livers, brains and hearts. I'll bring someone to life if that's what I want to do. I want to create my own version of you. I mean, again, we get appearances from Scarface Pacino, Godfather Brando, Julius Caesar, Leon Russell, Liberace, St. John the Apostle, Froude, and Marx. I mean, it's creepy and jazzy to me all at the same time. I could see Tom Waits singing this, but chalk it up. Another one I like. (laughs) Uh,
1: It feels like a song you could definitely hear Tom Waits singing
0: for sure.
1: I I was a little thrown off at first by by how many pop culture references he was using. There's a lot. Yeah. But as I got back into it and I'm really putting the song together, what is he doing with these references? What is he, what is he building here? What is it he's trying to put together? And you realize it's kind of this, you know, almost poetic nod to Mary Shelley and her Frankenstein. Um, in like the way that. that he's, you know, he's really trying to create this better version of himself, even though he knows how badly it's going to end. Um, you know, and it's just, just this beautifully haunting number. It's, it, it's absolutely gorgeous. Um, and a great lead into the fourth track, I've made Up My Mind to Give Myself to You. Oh. Um, this song makes me think about what he said about gospel music uh, with its kind of humming background and the, the light guitar. Uh, it's so soft and, and uplifting. Uh, its simplicity is, is really powerful. I love how it builds with the addition of some light drums uh, as he works through the weight of of his decision of giving himself to somebody. Um, You know, it feels like he's working up the courage in the song. um, You know, with lines like uh, I hope the gods go easy on me.
0: Love it. I mean, I love it.
1: it's, It's just beautiful. And it's, it's such an interesting way to phrase a song. Right, we're not saying to the girl, "Oh, I'm I'm giving myself to you." It's it's about so much more than that. I've made up my mind that I'm going to do this. Like, we're working ourselves up to build to that moment, and that's what the song is about. Like, it's so. I mean, I fuck me if this is actually what the song's about because God knows I'm wrong. But like that that moment of building to this, right? Like this anticipation, it speaks so much to love and how narcissistic love is, Uh. like. It's it's just such a gorgeous presentation of a feeling that's almost impossible to to verbalize.
0: Yeah. So
1: I'm gonna stop yammering.
0: Uh, it's so good. It's so good. Part of parts of it, for some reason, I had like Sinatra's "My Way" in in, in my head during like one yeah. piece of it, and I think it's because it's it's that buildup, and and this is another where the music is secondary because it's it's this really powerful lyrical intellectual yeah. poem at the end of the day, and it's the. The title is a simple concept, but it's profound, and obviously the, the the song is anything but simple. But if you think about the the line, "I've made up my mind to give myself to you," right? So then he takes that simple phrase, then completely, completely guts it out and puts in his you know his stream of consciousness, basically, and that's so hard to do. Uh, we get another bridge here in the song, um, you know, musically, which is really uncharacteristic characteristic for a lot of Dylan songs I like the solo and again we get the slight change in tempo where we build up to the end and yeah I like it what can I say I like it
1: (laughs) yeah so next we get uh Black Rider uh unsurprisingly the shortest track is one of my favorites um yeah unrelated to Dylan it just happened to work out that way um but don't let the length of this track suggest that he hasn't lined it with lyrical insanity of, of just the highest order. Uh, a conversation with the only speaking member of the four horsemen of the apocalypse is the premise of this song. Um, evening, threatening the writer. He just threatened one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Motherfucker. It's goddamn Bob Dylan. Um, I'm Mm. I'm not going to, you know, going to do the, the, the meaning of this song, any justice. I'm, I'm still working it out. If I'm being completely honest, I know. Um, you know the Black Rider could be doing his wife uh, for all that I, I don't know. Um, I do love uh, where he says. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading it. And it made me giggle. <laughs> it's uh,
0: okay, go ahead.
1: The size of your cockle won't get you anywhere. I
0: know that's a great line. To <laughs> so
1: one of the members of the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, this is. Oh, I love this track so much, man. It's, it's dark. <laughs> it's potentially yeah. catastrophic, and it's intense. I mean, listen, the path you're walking to, narrow to walk, every step of the way is another stumbling block. The road that you're on, same as the road that you know, just not as the same as a moment ago. I mean, the Black Rider, as you said, represents, it's one of the four horsemen, apocalypse, death, Uh, represents famine too. Uh, I I just love how it's this unspoken exchange between the main character, uh, Dylan in this case, and, and the black writer. It's a dark soul who constantly cheats death. Maybe it's, maybe that's what it could be about. Perhaps. Is it one who's aware of the wrongdoing and they're just waiting for that time to come perhaps. And as Al Pacino said in, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, does hell exist on earth? You bet. Now, I just watched it the other night, so I had a. Thriller. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, like, so I was, sorry. I, I watched the movie, though. Sweet other Glenn
1: Gary, Glenn Ross reference.
0: Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure if that, that doesn't have anything to do with this, but I just watched the movie again last night. So, <laughs> listen, I love the song. It has all the qualities that makes me feel good inside because I love those dark and troubling tunes. To me, it's therapy. Um,. I absolutely love that track. And, and the
1: track's so cool. Man. Black Rado, Black ah, uh,
0: So cool. So, so cool. cool. I know. Uh, next track is Goodbye Jimmy Reed. Now, not being a fanboy here, but I love really every song thus far. And this is no exception. Classic blues song here. And I swear these types of tunes uh, are I love, I like the way he does them again almost as much as his folk tunes. I really do. Jimmy Reed, obviously a famous blues musician who influenced so many. Uh, to me, this is his blues rock meets gospel. You know, I can almost see Dylan up at some sort of altar preaching uh, this tune. It's amazing to me how this style of song has endured the test of time and it still sounds so good. Something that really could be said for this form of, of music. Uh, it's not overly long here, clocking in at a little over four minutes, but I mean, Goodbye Jimmy Reed to me is another strong track, Mark.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, dude. I, I haven't had a bad thing to say yet. Good luck finding one. Uh, he was a cokehead. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but for me in particular, the, this song and the two before it, just these this little block of the record is so amazing. So amazing. Um, you know, a, another one of my absolute favorites off the album, Give Me That Old Time Religion, It's Just What I Need. Oh, just a great blues rock number. An awesome tribute to Jimmy Reed. I I just want to stop my foot and drink whiskey to this song. Like awesome. Honestly. Like I just want, like, give me just a glass of whiskey and let me stop this. And you know what? We get a little taste of harmonica. We you haven't do. seen any harmonica. I've been kinda like, how the fuck's he putting out a record without a harmonica? Boom. I get some harmonica.
0: Boom. And here's a harmonica yeah. for you, my man.
1: There we go. Like, you know what? God, is that a Bob Dylan? Her mama? Her no, it's a,
0: no, it's a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So for our Cleveland okay. listeners out there, Rock Hey-o. and Roll Hall of Fame. I went there. Hey,
1: God, I'm tired of sucking Cleveland stickers.
0: Uh, <laughs> Next. <laughs>
1: at track at track seven, and that's when the show got canceled. Um, the song is called "Mother of Muses." Um, yes. I just love this like admission that he is just a vessel for whatever his muse wants. Uh, you know, this poetic uh, adoration uh, to the muses that, that keep him alive all these years and uh, all the things that he wants from them. Uh, oh. But it doesn't matter what he wants. It's, it's about them and he can't do it without them. And it's, it's just so amazing. Uh, I love the simple guitar and the, the cello combination. Uh, it's just stunning. Uh, there is some percussion. I believe that there's some like some timpanis in the back, which are really cool. Um, and it just builds and builds, and then you get this just bellowing cello at the end, which is just such a cool, ominous, uh, but beautifully poetic number.
0: So good, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's another somber tune dealing with you know uh, mortality. You get the light guitars, superb poetry. It's almost like a companion piece to Black Rider, but it's it's antithesis of it really, as far yeah. as the musical aspect goes. You know, we get Presley and and Martin Luther King Jr. referenced here, perhaps you know is, is, is his muses i'm sure they are uh it's almost like he's saying i'm at peace with myself whereas in black rider is more of a resistance Uh, i could be wrong on that it's just kind of how i how i uh, perceived it again a touching tune here that's a that's great to listen to in the early morning uh, where black rider is awesome to listen to at night uh it's like yeah the sun is just poking poking its head out and letting the light come in and you could turn this track on so uh this is a great one um crossing the Rubicon. Hey man, this is blues meets the journey on the big bad river, right? Lyrics again are tight. I mean, they're tight. I I can feel the bones beneath my skin and they're trembling with rage and I'll make your wife a widow. You'll never see old age. Show me one good man in sight that the sun shines down upon Uh, pawned my watch. I paid my debts and I crossed the Rubicon. I mean, this is awesome. It reminds me of like life's journey to the whole belly of the beast thing for self-discovery. Again, the cool thing about Dylan tunes is you could interpret them how you like, I like, uh, how nice and clean the, uh, guitars are nice little blues riffs in here. I mean, again, another strong tune, Mark, take, I mean, take it away. (laughs) I feel like I'm saying the same thing over, but
1: (laughs) yeah, I mean, sorry guys, we're sucking Dylan's dick here. Um, (laughs) I got up early so I could greet the goddess of the dawn. I painted my wagon, abandoned all hope and crossed the Rubicon. It's so fucking cool. Yeah. I'll cut you up with a crooked knife. Lord. And I miss you when you're gone. I stood between heaven and earth and I crossed the Rubicon. I could just do songs from this lines from the song. It's a poetic masterpiece. I don't give a shit. You guys can, Say whatever you want to, just set to a really cool little blues romp. I mean, just goddamn.
0: Yeah. Spoiler alert. Bonus content will be Mark reading Dylan tunes. Just
1: <laughs> I'll do it. Don't act like I won't. I know you will. <laughs> uh, sign up for that Patreon. We don't have yet, and I'll send it to you. Um, so, uh, track number nine. Uh, we're getting into this, the second longest uh, track on the album, but the the longest up to date. Um, Key West, Philosopher Pirate. So um, this song reminds me of a movie called The Beach Bum, where Matthew McConaughey plays a poet named Moondog who's living on a boat in Key West. Um, that's how it opens. I won't give away the rest of the movie. <laughs> but this song really sets up that vibe, that feeling. Um, and it's, it's just really cool. Um, it's almost uh, a pirate's lament. You know, it's got the accordion in the background um and these perfectly staggered lyric delivery uh i I guess you call that singing but like it's just so well done i mean look it's it's bob dylan he's fucking sing talking i don't know what to tell you yeah um they just they nailed the atmosphere of devall street late at night early into the morning short of having you know crowing uh cocks on the record um it's haunting and beautiful, uh, just like Key West. I mean, it's it's gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, second to last tune on the album, and thus far it's the longest at nine minutes, 34 seconds. Uh, I like how Key West is the backdrop and the subject yeah. of the track. I, I said it like 10 times already, but this is a piece of poetry. Uh, I mean, you could take the music away, slap this in a book, classical poetry, make it in the curriculum uh, in high school, as opposed to the shit that they 're feeding them now, and you 'd be better off you know this this tune it 's a spiritual journey. I really like the theme here, uh, which is the journey of life at, or uh, or life and its mortality and the, that point of intersection where they meet uh, maybe that 's the sweet spot maybe in all of this, maybe that 's the sweet spot and this particular song. Again, just an an, an absolute beautiful song and and Mark couldn't have put it better where it's haunting and it's beautiful just like uh, Key West, so i mean it's great um now we have what makes this i guess a double record Marcus murder most foul <laughs> so you have the nine minute song that we just talked about and uh now you have this song clocking in at over 16 minutes uh addressing the jfk assassination it's really spoken word at this point and that's super super cool you get more references here beatles charlie parker the who carl wilson don henley glenn fry warns yvonne stevie nicks this song is is a time capsule and commentary but it, it, it's not preachy at all uh it's it's observation and and i feel that's the proper way to do it some thought this was a response to covid but you know dylan and he had this completed probably a while ago so i don't think that this was necessarily a response to dylan uh, and i'm there's not much more to say than this is just a really powerful tune it's lyrically packed it's a great uh, addition i guess well it's the second it's the second piece of the album and its own stance just by itself. So, uh, I mean, this is great, man. 16 minutes. Mark, I mean, your thoughts here.
1: Yeah, I'd I'd be really interested if anybody wants to send me why they think that this song is about COVID. I I would love to hear that argument. Yeah, I, mean,
0: I was thrown off by really that.
1: explicit with, with what he's saying. Uh, so I'm really what more surprising than people coming up with that stupid idea is um, – <laughs> After all the shit I've talked tonight, I got the balls to call people stupid. Anyways, um, is that this 16-minute song held my full attention every time I listened to the record, uh, and I was just able to keep on his train of thoughts as he as he walked the listener through the <laughs> impact of JFK's assassination and how people responded to it, the conspiracies, the crying, the visceral response to the most public execution the world has ever known uh what an amazing way to close this record too by the way right where so many themes of death and anguish uh suffering loss um how do you how do you deal with those things and to wrap it all up just as the the opening of the album really let you peek in to see what this whole thing was about for this song to encompass so much of it Uh, and to close it and really i you kind of almost feel the the song fade to black like it really kind of just comes together now so um I just want to close with my, my favorite line um, from so the song good. and maybe one of my favorites from the entire album. Freedom, oh freedom, freedom above me. I hate to tell you, mister, but only dead men are free.
0: Oof.
1: Fuck, dude. Can I get that on my tombstone? That is awesome.
0: Yeah, and, oh. and the fact that after all this, this whole journey he's taking us song on the album, this is what EO, he puts in the end here on a 16-minute song, no less. <laughs> Yeah,
1: just going to tuck that little nugget in there.
0: Yeah. Hey, folks, here you go. Thank you very much. I mean, listen, so good, so good. We haven't had anything bad to say about this record. And and what can you say about this record and and at this point in Dylan's career? This is a high-quality album for someone who has nothing left to prove they don't have to do any of this they can make they can make crap right but man man many where many are just trying to get into their stride musically and in their musical career he finds a way just to continue and do the things that no one will ever do his last few albums were were good and i and i always enjoyed the bootleg series but this one uh, mark called it man it stands out it's a reason why it stands out um it hits more of a striking chord with me, as I know it does with you, Mark. And like many things, Dylan has a high replay value here. It just adds another solid accomplishment in this, in this uh, peculiar and mystifying person's life, man. And uh, I just love it, Mark, your, your final thoughts on the record.
1: Yeah. So for me, Dylan has, has simply always been there and his his legacy and his legend is, is so grand that I don't know that I ever thought I'd sat down to try to break down a Dylan record. It, it, it was a daunting task. And this album was a phenomenal place to start. Uh, it will move you when it wants to and make you question your ears. Uh, when you feel like you haven't been paying enough attention. Uh, I eagerly await this record showing up at my house cause I have ordered it and I am <laughs> waiting for this motherfucker to show up. Um, I will be listening to this on the regs. Um, definitely. If you're like me, take that trip to Colorado. Enjoy this record. It was phenomenal. Uh, I was dancing in the living room with my cats by myself. It was like, it was a great time. You know? <laughs> so all, all that said, um, and I, I don't want to be Debbie Downer, right. Um, sure. But you know, it's the nature of me to be Debbie Downer. So fuck it. Here we go. Um, it had me wondering 79, 39th studio album, you know, Frank and I were, were chatting. Yeah. Uh, You know, if he lasts one more year and puts out one more record, he'll be 80 with 40 records. That's two records, excuse me, a record every other year for his entire lifetime. That's insane. Insane. Um, You know, and and this one, you know, arguably is a fucking masterpiece as far as I'm concerned. You know, like Dewey Cox would have been really proud to write this. Um,
0: Great movie, by the way, and those who don't think so.
1: (laughs) You're wrong. Uh, You're wrong. (laughs) um, There's a chance we won't get another album from him. Right now with his high level of income and advances in modern chemistry, it's not crazy to think he couldn't live to be 150. But if this is his last album, um, will it change the depth of it? I look at Leonard Cohen and David Bodie with their, their essentially swan song albums, right? They knew that they were going to go, they prepared something. They had something to be left by whether they left a big question mark, uh, like David Bowie appeared to do, leaving, you know, that mysteriousness of it. But how Bowie is that? Or you get that really clean and beautiful goodbye from Leonard Cohen. Um, you know, they made those albums for that. Yeah. How does this album compare, not so much to those albums, but I, I do think there are some similarities. Um, you know, what, if this is his last album, how does that affect us? Does that change... This album anyway. Like it's I I, I don't know. I'm kinda the idea of it and maybe I've been listening to too much Dylan and I'm too far in my own fucking head right now. Um <laughs> but
0: what do you think, Frank? Yeah, I mean you know Mark brought this up to me and he did correlate some things together. Obviously David Bowie and uh, Leonard Cohen and those kind of Swan Swan uh song albums at the end and the ducks are in a row per se if something were to to, to God it happen. Um you know things again you know 79 and 39 records of course 80 and 40 would would be better um but if you look at the content of this record one could make the argument for that just because of what it's what it's all about now knowing dylan the foreshadowing yeah the foreshadowing absolutely now knowing dylan he probably did that intentionally so people like me and you could sit here and talk about that but man you know it, it's it, it's something to think about, and yes, it makes me afraid of, of losing him because, like you said, you feel like I got you just got to know him. I feel like I just yeah. got to know him again with this other record, and and I do hope we get more. I want to get more. Here's a Rolling Stone rec- issue he was on uh, many many years ago. I want more <laughs> of this. I want more bootlegs. I want more stuff. Uh, but it makes you think, Mark. So I think Mark brings up really yeah. some valid points, and again, just an overall um, gr- great album.
1: Maybe we'll get a Hanukkah record next. Hey, there you
0: bring bring it on, we'll man! We'll have a
1: magilla. Boss hey. does it. But Dylan can't.
0: <laughs> oh man! Well, speaking of uh, peculiar people, you know, like Dylan, Mark, we we have a real humdinger for next week. If if we sh- we could chat about that real quick, um, we're gonna so talk excited. about a yeah. I know we could talk about a band that. At, we could both make the argument that's been misunderstood. That band is the B-52s and their album we'll be looking at is their self title debut. Uh, I'm intrigued as always, as we have a running joke for years uh, on the song rock lobster. Mark, we just like saying it to each other, rock lobster. Yeah,
1: It's not really a joke. We just, find it fucking hilarious. Yeah,
0: or if it's on the radio, we'll, we'll text <laughs> each other. We'll be like, hey, Rock Lobster's on. Um, and then this is their first record. Now, I, I do like uh, tracks, uh, Stroblight and Private Idaho from their second record, but I am amped to dive more into this debut record. Uh, Mark, what about you?
1: Yeah, this is going to this is gonna be a ton of fun. Uh, you'll see that energy that Frank and I had back at Sky Week. Um, you know, plus, the B-52s remind me of summer. Um, and we're we're just in about dead on in the dog days of summer. Uh, it's been hot and nasty here in Florida. I'm sure wherever you are, it's hot and nasty. Um, hopefully, you've got a road trip plan to get out for a little bit. So we're going to put together a top ten songs for a road trip for you. Yes, have a nice little uh, something to go with you. But of course, uh, if you are going out in the summer and you're, uh, we hope you're doing it safely. Uh, both on the road and, uh, and maintaining some distances so that you get to be healthy and enjoy yourself.
0: That's right. <laughs> That's right, my man. So we're amped for that. The next episode, as always, thank you for listening. You can check us out every Friday on Redline Radio from 11 to 12 p.m. And everywhere you listen to podcasts, there's YouTube, Instagram, and now a Facebook group. So just drop us a suggestion for a record, and uh, we'll be gladly to take that into consideration. So take care, folks.
1: Yeah, be good to each other. Be safe. Until next time. Bye bye. bye.